Welcome to Gateway Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here today. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through His Word. For more information about our church, follow us on social media or visit our website, gatewayhome.com. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. Good to see everyone today. Hopefully you are doing well. So glad you're with us today. Hopefully you enjoy daylight, saving time, uh, get the extra hour of sleep unless... You have young kids like me, and that just means you've been up for an extra hour today, and today's going to be a little bit extra long for you, but no, I'm glad to be in the house of the Lord and uh, worshiping together. I'm going to dive right into the message today. If you have your Bible with you, you can turn to Jeremiah chapter 18. We'll be there for the most part, or you could go to Version. We have all of our information there. Just click on events, and it should pull up uh, all the notes, so if you're a note taker, you can save it uh, and have it for you a little bit later, but we've been in a series entitled divine design. And we've really been talking about that there's a God who is a potter who molds us as clay. And last week, we focused on really us being the clay, being God forming and molding and shaping our character into the people that he has called for us to be made in the image of Christ. And today, we're actually going to focus on the potter today. So the title of today's message is The Potter's Design. The potter's design. And now I'm going to read a couple of scriptures and then we'll dive in. Isaiah 64 verse 8 says this, But now, O Lord, you are our father. So we know God is a father, but he also says this, We are the clay and you are potter. And all we are the work of your hand. Jeremiah 18, 1 through 6, it says this, The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was, making something at the wheel. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. Remember that. We're going to come back to it at the end. So he made it again into another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to make. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, can I not do, to you, can I not do with you as this potter, says the Lord? Look, as the clay is in the potter's hand, So are you in my hand, O house of Israel. So today I want the focus to be on the potter. There's actually, uh, the potter I believe is the church. There's a church named the Potter's House by Bishop T.D. Jakes, a great name. I imagine he got it from here. But as the church, we're actually the Potter's House. We are, God is building his church, which means he's building and molding and shaping his people. So last week I had six observations about the clay Today, I have another six observations about the potter. If you're a person who loves to take notes, you can fill it in and make it all pretty and stuff like that. And here's the first observation, that he has a purpose for every piece of clay. God has a purpose for every piece of clay. If you were to go into a potter's house and you were to go into their shop or whatever, you would see a lot of clay laying around. And if you didn't know what the purpose of it was, you'd just think it was waste and it was just taking up space. But that potter may come to you and say, oh, you see this piece of clay over here? I actually believe and I'm going to create. It's going to look like a beautiful flower pot. And this piece of clay over here, I'm going to to shape it. I'm going to mold it. It's going to be a vase that's going to go on a table. It's going to bring many people great joy. Because he has a vision and a purpose for every single piece of clay. And I want you to know the purpose that God has for our lives isn't to make us miserable. 
It's not a hobby for God to, to mold, and he's just like, hey, I'm, I'm almost done with this, so let me just pass the time by. That's not what God is doing. He actually has a purpose for every single piece of clay, and you will never be fulfilled in your life until you're walking out the purpose that God has for you to walk out here on this earth to give him glory. As a pastor, uh, it, I, I believe that I'm gifted to preach and to teach. Now, after this message, you may disagree, but I believe that he's called me to do this. It actually brings me great energy. It brings me great joy to feed his sheep, to equip people for the work of the ministry. Uh, throughout my life, they don't call me to be in the accounting department, uh, even though I actually was an accounting major in college. Don't know why. Yeah, but those, it didn't go well for me. I'm glad I'm doing this instead. For all the accountants, I love you. Y'all are wonderful. But they haven't called me to be on the worship team. They haven't called me to do certain things because I'm not gifted in that way. And we all have to find our fit so that we're effective in the kingdom of God. But the biggest mistake that I see people making is believing or trying to decide what their purpose is instead of going and finding out their purpose from the potter. And it can be frustrating when we're not walking in that. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says this, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So I want to say this. First of all, you're God's masterpiece. This word is a Greek word, poema, which actually obviously sounds a lot like our English word poem. But it is, we are God's work of art. And I just want to let you know that it's not an improvement from the old. It actually says he makes us new in Christ Jesus. We, in 2 Corinthians, it tells us we are a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So he's, we're his masterpiece, and he's making us new in Christ Jesus and shaping us and molding us into, he, into who he has called for us to be. But I want you to notice that it said he planned this a long time ago. So if we have different plans from what he has planned, we're going to be frustrated because there are competing plans that are happening in that moment. How many of you know God always wins at the end of the day, that he gets his way if we're willing to yield to him. And it's important for every single one of us to come to the place where we find our fit because that's where we're able to make the greatest difference in our lives and touch the lives of others. I want you to think about this for a second. Let's say that there were a guy just graduated college and he was looking for a job and he went to apply for a position at a company and he came to the company, said, hey, I want to apply. And they said, okay, what position would you love to apply for? And the college graduate who just graduated says, I'm here to apply for the CEO position. I want the top position of this. I just graduated. I just studied, made all A, summa cum laude. I'm ready to be the CEO of this company right off the bat. Now, a wise person would say, okay, if that may be what you're supposed to be, I have a job that you need to start out at. For our sales team, we want you to be a sales team member. And if you are called to be the CEO, you're going to be one of the best sales team members we've ever seen in our lives. And then once you're good there, we'll step you up and you'll be a sales team manager. Then you'll be an executive here at the company. Then you'll be vice president, president, and CEO if that's what God has called for you to do because there's a process and a formation of how God is wiring all of us. If you remember the story of Joseph, he had this dream in Genesis, you can go read, he had this dream, and the dream entailed all of his family bowing down 
and worshiping him. How good of a dream would that be when you're young and impressionable? So we had this dream, but he didn't know what he was going to have to go through in order for that dream to be fleshed out. He didn't know he was going to be sold into slavery. He didn't know he was going to be in a pit. He didn't know that someone would falsely accuse him and then he'd be in prison. He didn't know that even in prison when he interpreted someone's dream, that he would still be forgotten and then eventually at the right time that God would bring him up out of that place for him to step into what he had dreamed a long time ago and for him to walk into his destiny. But we have to understand that God has a vision and he has a purpose. And many times it doesn't look like what we would think it is, which is why we have to go to the potter to figure out what he's called for us to do. So he has a purpose for every piece of clay. And here's the second thing. He always works from the inside out. He always works from the inside out. And this could be frustrating because many times we want our circumstances on the outside to change faster than we want to change on the inside. We want growth to happen. We want promotion to happen. We want a job to happen. We want a spouse to happen. Anyone, any single people? Out? No. Don't raise your hand. We don't want awkward moments in church. But we want all these things that we think will make us happy, and God's actually saying, what I'm most concerned about is your heart. Man looks at the outward appearance and calls that success whenever you're climbing up, but the one thing that I'm looking for is a changed heart on the inside, and here's how we know what's in our heart. In Matthew 12, verse 34, it says this, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So I can tell what's in my heart by what I say. Here's the flip side of that. I can also tell what's in your heart by what you say. One of the things that I've learned is God has allowed me to have the opportunity to lead people to Christ and to be able to witness to them is that I became a really good asker of questions and I became a really good listener. Here's why. If I'm asking questions and I'm listening, I don't have to tell them that they're in sin. I don't have to tell them how bad they are. I don't have to Bible thumb. I don't have to do all these different things. Here's what they're going to do. They're going to tell me where the pain is in their life. They're going to tell me where the tension is that's actually keeping them from God. And I can then speak into that moment of their lives and speak into that situation, that circumstance. And they may say, they may describe a wound that they had when they were young. And I'm telling them, hey, you know what? There's a healer that is here for you that can heal that wound and that pain that you are facing. If they think they're irredeemable, they think they're unlovable, I can tell them that, hey, there is a lover of your soul who desires to redeem you, to change you. If they are struggling with anxiety, I can tell them that there is someone who can give them peace that passes all understanding to guard both their hearts and their minds. Because we all need to be saved, but here's what the gospel is. It's actually good news for them. But until we take the time to actually listen to what is in their heart, we may not be able to speak the truth that they need for them to come into the kingdom of God. Now, if you read throughout scriptures when, in the gospels, when Jesus is here on this earth in person, Jesus actually listened many times to what his disciples said. And the conversations are always funny to me whenever you hear the disciples talk because Jesus is correcting them half the time because of their thinking is a little bit off. So there's a story in Matthew 20. I'm going to give you a par my paraphrase of it. Is Jesus is here on the earth in bodily form. And the disciples are having an argument about who is the greatest next to Jesus. 
The Son of God, God in flesh, is with them, and they're arguing over who's the greatest. It would be like if Michael Jordan walked in here right now, and we all had a discussion about, hey, who's the second best person here? Because just so you know, Michael Jordan is the greatest. If you don't agree with that, it's okay to be wrong. It's okay to be wrong. We're moving forward. Or Jack Nicholas came in and we're wondering about golf. And it's like, who cares who's the second best? We have the best here. But they're arguing about it. And Jesus steps into that moment and is like, hey, guys, uh, what, what are you talking about? And I, I just imagine they were probably stumbled, kind of stammered. Um, well, I know you're here and all. We know you're the greatest. You're the son of God. But we were actually wondering who's the greatest out of all of us. It's a funny conversation to me because I don't know what I would say in that moment because would, I would feel very foolish telling God, hey, I'm wondering who's the greatest. But Jesus gives them the perspective that he needs from listening to them. And he says to them, I actually did not come to be served. I came to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. Here's what he's telling them. Service is not a means to an end. This isn't my means to greatness. Actually, it is the end, and God has called me to come here and serve, and he's calling every single one of us to do the same. When I was younger in ministry, I wasn't as, um, I'll say, pastoral or diplomatic in the way that I responded to things. I matured a lot, and I've grown. I'm a lot kinder than I used to be. But there would be many times that people would come and say, hey, I can, I can only serve in this area. It'll be an area of leadership, an area of position, because this is where God's anointed me to be. And I would just simply say straight out, well, that's great and all, but your sentence is way too long. Your sentence should be, I can only serve. Because the anointing that God has on your life, and anointing is simply approval from God, the anointing that God has your life on your life is not location specific. The mantle that he has for you will go with you wherever you are, no matter what position that you are in. If you remember David's life, just for an example, he was anointed king, and then he went back to the fields. Was he anointed in the fields? The answer is yes. Was he anointed whenever he went and served Saul? The answer is yes. Was he anointed whenever Saul was throwing spears at him? The answer is yes. Was he anointed when he was in the cave, and it said all the misfits came out to him, and that's who we ended up leading? The answer is yes. He was anointed all those times, even to the point where he became King, because your anointing is not specific to a location, it's specific to your obedience. Because that's what God wants to do in your life. And if you're simply obedient with where God has you, his approval can be on your life. Because God was with David every single step of the way. So don't think because things aren't going the way that you think they are, that you're not anointed and positioned by God for what he's preparing you for tomorrow. So it's important that we hold that very close to our hearts. So that's the second thing. He always works from the inside out. Here's the third thing. He has a display shelf for vessels of honor. He has a display shelf for vessels of honor. Now, I know most of us, whenever we shop, we actually shop online at Amazon. It feels like a package from Amazon's coming to my apartment all the time. Or you do a lot of shopping online. And, but there used to be these ancient relics. They're called malls. Uh, so you can go to them, and what they used to have, or they may still have, because I actually haven't been in a while, is they have kind of this display case as you're walking by. And here, I want to ask you a question. Do they put their best pieces and items out on this display shelf, or do they put their worst pieces? 
You can talk to me. I'm talking to you. Maybe those online, no. Okay, they put their best, right? Why is that? It's because they want to attract you and they want you to come into the store and obviously spend money. What do you think that God does as well? He actually desires to display us ultimately to glorify him, but it looks like, hey, this is what the life of a person who's allowed me to mold them and shape them looks like. And he puts us on display so that we can give him glory. Jesus actually says the same thing in a different way. In Matthew 5, 16, he says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So your good works today give glory to God. Now, there's typically two types of people, and it's probably split half and half in this room and those that are watching online. There's types of people that they want to be on the display case. They want to shine. They want to be known. They want to be on the platform, which is nothing actually wrong with that if you have the right heart, because that's ultimately what God is most concerned about. And there's others of us that, hey, we'd love to be behind the scenes. I really don't want to be on the, on the display case. I don't want others to know, maybe even that, hey, I'm, I'm a Christian. I'm just going to go about my life and go about it the way that I want to go about it and still profess God, still go to church and quietly slip out and not do anything else and serve and get involved. So there may be two sides of this, but for the people first, that have a desire to be on display. Have you ever thought to ask yourself, is there something in my life, my character, that God needs to shape and to mold to bring me to the place where he can put me on display? Because so many times we can be wondering, God, I, I have this desire, I have this heart, I want to leave, but why, why am I not at this place where you're putting me on display? Growing up in my own life, I had a massive issue with uh, insecurity and really a fear of rejection. If you feel called to pastor and preach and teach, that's really a bad combination. But I remember my first sermon, I, I spoke at Gateway Church, DFW, which is the young adults, a young adult pastor at the time, Preston Morrison, who's actually an elder with me here now. He gave me the opportunity to preach, and I want to say it was horrible. <laughs> One of the worst messages you would ever hear in your life, and just so you know, you cannot go back and look at it. They've even scrubbed it from the archives. That's how bad it was, guys. I can't even go back, so don't even try going to find it. But I began to look at dealing with these roots of fear, of rejection, insecurity. I began to study on it. I began to get in God's presence because here's the thing. Once you get in God's presence and he tells you that he likes you, it's easy to step out and obey what he's called for you to do and say what he's called for you to say. I, mean, I, I came to the place in my heart and in my life where I said I'd rather be accepted by God even if I'm rejected by man, to be accepted by man and be rejected by God. So we need to come to the place where we're willing to listen to him and we can all study, we can all learn to become free to be the people that God has called for us to be. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 18 says this, but God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. Just as he pleased. So the question is, are you where you please or are you where God pleases? Because it says he's the one who sets them. So even the others of you, I was coming for you. I told you I was coming for the people who don't want to be on display. He's actually the one that sets you up. He wants you to be effective, even if it's in the background. Platforms look different. But he wants to set you in a place where you can do good works and ultimately he still receives glory. And as a matter of fact, 
All of us are on display, even if we may not think we are. With our kids at our own home or with our spouse, we're on display. With our colleagues at work, we're on display. The question is, is what we're displaying giving them a desire to come into the kingdom of God? Because here's what's going to happen in every single person's life. There will come a time in their life where their need for God is greater than their resistance of God. And the question is, where are they going to turn to? Where are your neighbors going to turn to? Are they going, they're going to turn to you because of what you've been displaying to them so that they can come and receive what God has for you. But we don't need to manipulate to get ahead because we don't want man to promote us because if man promotes us, then we ultimately serve man. But if God promotes us, then we can continue to serve him with everything that we have and what who, with who God has called for us to be. So he has a display shelf for vessels of honor. Now, here's the fourth thing. He always works with his hands. He always works with his hands. One of our desires here as a church is that we want to help people develop an intimate relationship with God. God doesn't delegate the responsibility. He doesn't give it to someone else. As a matter of fact, he gives you his spirit to live on the inside of you, to teach you, to guide you, to point you in the way of truth, and then to comfort you in the middle of it all. In the book of Acts, the first time that the, the word Christian is actually in the scriptures is at Antioch. They were called Christians. Uh, it's the Greek word Christianos. But it actually was an insult at the time. It wasn't meant to be like, oh, you're a Christian, that's great. It was meant, oh, those, those are those little, little Christ is actually what the word Christian means. And here's what they were saying, that it's unmistakable by the way that they live, by the way that they love, by the way that they serve, that they're followers of Jesus. Before that, it was called the way. And so they're saying it's unmistakable that God's fingerprint and handprint is on their life. If you've ever gone to an art gallery before, uh, I've gone several times, not very often, but I'll go, and what you'll see as you go to the different art pieces is below it, beside it, or even on it, you'll see the signature of the artist and sometimes the story behind why that piece was painted. I was doing a little bit of a studying, and uh, I looked on, and I wanted to find out, okay, what's the most expensive piece of pottery that has been sold? Today, at least. And I went online, I found it, and it is a piece of pottery, a vase, that if you saw it, you may not see the use for it, but because of who created it and who it belonged to, it actually sold for $53 million. So if anyone has $53 million laying around, you can get this pottery that was made in, during the China, that belonged to the Chinese royal family. But here's what I want to say. The value of something is actually determined by who created it and who it belongs to. Here's what you need to realize. You were created by God and you belong to God. So that is where the value of our lives and our dignity comes from. And that's what we need to walk into with boldness, knowing who he's called for us to be. Psalm 139, 13 to 14 really speaks to us a very well-known passage. It said, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. You may have thought that was a put down, but it's actually right here. It could be a good thing for it to be complex. We all have complexities to us. Every single one of us has a little something weird that's different from other people. God actually made us complex. Look at this. Your workmanship, God, is marvelous. 
how well I know it. But here's the thing what we need to focus on, that God is the one forming us and shaping us, and he's not in a hurry. But many times we are. And that's where the tension can come in. Because think about it. We're asking a timeless being, an eternal being, to hurry up this process. Hey, form me, mold me. I got some things that I'd like to do. I know you prepared it beforehand, but I know the time frame for me to be able to walk this out. Pretty simple. But whenever we hurry, here's what we're simply saying. That I'm done being on the potter's wheel. And then you can get off. But there's another option. You can either be in a hurry or you can be humble as God's hand is on your life. 1 Peter 5, 6 says this, Therefore, humble yourselves. By the way, you're going to be humbled. You have a choice to humble yourself, or one day God's going to humble you. So it says, humble yourselves. We have the option and the choice to do it under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. So he has a time to specific when he wants to exalt you, to put you on that display shelf, as we talked about a second ago. But even in 1 Timothy, as Paul's writing to his spiritual son, he says, hey, don't put novices in leadership. Don't put them in leadership yet because the pressure that they're going to face on the outside will be too much for them and they will cave under the pressure. So don't be in a hurry. Be humble and in due time, God will exalt you. And that should be encouragement for every single one of us. So that's the fourth thing. Here's the fifth thing. He has a potter's field for clay that won't receive water. He has a potter's field for clay that won't receive water. And we talked about this a little bit last week. When a clay won't receive water, it no longer becomes moldable. There's no, there, it, the potter actually loses the ability to mold it. So eventually the potter actually throws it out back. There's a potter's field. The potter would just simply throw it out back. And it's not because, and I'm not talking about salvation, losing salvation, but I am talking about you can lose your usefulness for the kingdom of God. The gifts and callings of God remain, but his anointing, he can retract at any time. He did it with King Saul. And I can name other references, but for the sake of time, I'm not going to. But, but we have to understand that he's molding us and he's shaping us. And the best ability in the kingdom of God is actually teachability. Do we remain teachable? Do we allow God to mold us? I'm sure that you've encountered people. Obviously, there's no one in this room. But you've encountered people who have gotten to the place where they refuse to listen. Like I said, Nobody in this room or watching online. But you realize that their teachability is gone. And when you become unteachable, you actually also become unusable. Because God won't put someone in the forefront that isn't willing to teach them. And there's been many men and women who have fallen short of what God had for them because they lost their ability to learn and be molded by God. And they got dry and eventually they fell off. Because we never get too accomplished to also still remain accountable. No matter how far we go, no matter how much mature we are in God, we can still be held accountable. We can still learn and we can still grow. And it's important for every single one of us. There's actually a record in the New Testament of the potter's field. If you remember the story of Judas, near the end of Jesus' life, Judas, who was one of the disciples, actually betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. So he got the silver, and then after they arrested Jesus, he, it said he actually became sorrowful, and he went back to the priests, and he threw the money at him. He's like, it wasn't worth it. It didn't go like I thought it was going to go, and he threw it back at him, and then he ran out. 
And in their hypocrisy, the chief priests at the time were like, hey, this is, this is blood money. This, I don't want to mix it with the treasury. That's holy money. So we got to do something with this, but we're not going to keep it ourselves. So they end up buying a potter's field. A potter's field meant that it was a useless and worthless plot of land. They would just throw pots out there, and they, it even became a burial site. That's how much in their eyes that Jesus was worth. But it actually shows if we're willing to be molded and shaped by God, God can even use this moment that seemed worthless. The cost and the price seemed worthless. He actually turned it out to be one of the most precious gifts that we can all receive because God can take something and make, take nothing and make something out of it. But he doesn't want us to go into the potter's field. There's always hope. As long as you are still breathing, there is hope for you to repent and turn back to God and come into relationship with him to the place where we're able to still be molded by God because that is his ultimate desire. And here's the sixth point. He breaks and remakes every vessel. He breaks and remakes every vessel. In Jeremiah 18, remember, I asked you to remember this phrase that the clay got marred. The clay was marred. There was a, something that was about this clay that he wasn't going to be able to use it. So it said he broke it down and remade it as it seemed good to the potter. So this breaking isn't something that you have to be fearful of. Some of you are like, I've been broken before. When you're in God's hands, you don't have to be fearful of the breaking because the breaking from God isn't punishment. He actually already punished his son. He doesn't need to punish you. So no matter what you're going through, this isn't punishment by God. Yes, we make decisions and we face consequences, but that's not God punishing us for what we have done because all of our sins are already paid for. Every single one of our sins have been paid for. And all we have to do is believe in him to, be, to receive forgiveness and to get to heaven to be with him for eternity. The people who don't go to be with God are simply saying, I'm, I choose to walk in unbelief. I don't believe the price that was paid. I don't receive the forgiveness that you have to offer. But all of us experience brokenness in our lives. It could have been in your family growing up. It could have been at school, something that happened to you or even something that you did. We've all experienced brokenness at one point or another where life has come and shaped us in such a way that we feel broken. But here's what we need to realize, that with God, if we allow ourselves to come to him and allow him to heal us, our brokenness can actually be a pathway to ministry. It can be the place that whenever people look at us, they can say God did a work in their lives. God did a work in their marriage. God did a work in their finances. God did a work in their family that I see something that I want to be a part, part of. There was actually a village as I was studying this that they were known for this distinctive is that they would take uh, pots of clay and they would break them and then they would remake the vessel and put gold all in the seams and they would sell them that way. This is what they were known for. And I believe that is a, a beautiful picture of what God does. That even in our brokenness, gold throughout the Bible represents purity, by the way. Even in our brokenness, he comes, he puts us back together, he shapes us and he molds us. He makes us pure and he makes us fit for the master's use once again. But if you look at the life of Judas, he was one who eventually gave up. He was one who, who quit. He betrayed Jesus, but 
Actually, I want to say every disciple betrayed Jesus. Even Peter denied that he knew him three times. To where Jesus looked at him and the rooster crowed and he went away sorrowful. It actually uses the same words. They both went away sorrowful. But one had a godly sorrow that ultimately led him to repentance. And one sorrowed so much and was so ashamed that he went. And it says he hung himself. And he ended his life. But Peter went on to become one of the leaders in the church. And here's why. Because when the brokenness happened, when that moment in life that was hard happened, he didn't give up. He allowed Jesus to mold him. He allowed Jesus to shape him. And even though he was broken, he allowed Jesus to remake him. He became reborn and he became renewed. And that's what God wants for every single one of us if we would allow him to. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me. You may be here in this place, and you may be even experiencing brokenness. Or you may be in a place where you want to be on the display shelf. One of the questions we ask at the end of every message is, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? Because God can apply it exactly where you are. In a moment here, we're about to go into a song of worship, but we're going to end it a little bit differently. I'm going to pray for us here in a second, but there's going to be people down here who want to have the opportunity to pray with you. They've been trained and they want to pray with you. And they're going to come down during this last song of worship. And if you need prayer for anything at all, whether it's related to the message or you just have a need or a burden that you're dealing with, but I want to say don't come leave with the same burden by yourself. Come lay it down. Have people join their faith with yours for healing. Whatever it is that you need, we want to have the opportunity to pray with you. And you don't have to be a member of Gateway Church to receive prayer. But you can even say, hey, I need to give my life to the Lord. They're they're ready to pray with you. But I'm going to pray and then we're going to stand and we're going to go into another song of worship. But allow God, even throughout this week, to speak to you. And those areas that you may feel insecure, those areas that may keep you from walking out all that God has for you, begin to study. Let him free you, free your heart, free your mind, so that you're able to walk with him. So, Father, right now, I thank you for my brothers and sisters. I thank you for their hearts to be molded by you. Even in the times where we may not understand, Lord, I pray that you would speak to us with that still, small voice that you would encourage us, that you would bring us alongside what you're calling us to. I pray that you would encourage us, but ultimately, Lord, I pray that we would be vessels of honor that are used for your glory. And I thank you for that right now. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. joining us today. If you live in the Houston area or are in town for a visit, we would like to invite you to join us for a service. For service times and location, or more information about Gateway Church, follow us on social media or visit our website, gatewayhome.com. Have a blessed week.